to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch, and welcome to the Construction Big Breakfast. Today, we'll be diving into some uh, interesting themes, some of which we've covered before, but getting a new perspective included integrated product uh, delivery, uh, collaboration, particularly between uh, competitors, perhaps in the same industry, lean construction, and all things to do with construction on the west coast of Canada. With joining me today is our very special guest, Rick Boats of Unitech. Welcome to the podcast, Rick. Can you give our listeners a little introduction to yourself? Thank you, Tim. Yes, uh, I started Unitech Construction Management 33 years ago here in Vancouver and uh, I've grown slowly over the years to far bigger than what we imagined, but still tiny in in world uh, terms uh, and uh, have been entirely focused on collaborative construction from day one. That's terrific. Rick, it's great to have you on today. And of course, anyone who's watched any of the previous uh, episodes of this podcast knows what the first question is going to be. So, Rick, what did you have for breakfast today? Well, my wife tells me I need to lose a little weight. So I had a light breakfast, some uh, yogurt and some fresh uh, raspberries and a glass of milk. So pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, so that sounds pretty healthy. And I'm sure that's going to aid your uh, weight loss program. <laughs> I'm I'm doing the opposite because uh, I've I've had the flu recently, so my weight went down. So I had ham and eggs and beans with my son <laughs> this morning. Uh, we shared that. So Rick, great to have you on. And let's just dive straight into the meat and potatoes because we met uh, a few weeks ago in Vancouver at a round table we were running. And what was very interesting was you've got. Uh, your philosophy is all around integrated product, project delivery, collaboration, lean, doing things in a non-adversarial way for the client's benefit. I mean, I ha- what, what's, what's, the, what's the thing in your early part of your career that really triggered you down that path? Well, I had actually started out uh, to become an architect. That's what I thought my career was going to be and uh, uh, got out, started working in the industry and, and very quickly discovered I was much better at the business side than I was at the design side. So I ended up being the, uh, the guy that did the, the consultant coordination and uh, drawing review and, and doing the tendering and then out on site dealing with the contractors on contract administration. Uh, and in Canada, the, the, uh, the architects in the traditional uh, design bid build world are the owner's representative. So I was essentially the owner's representative. I'd be out on the sites uh, uh, many times during the month and talking to the trades and contractors. And and over the years, I found myself more and more um, realizing that I was arguing with the with the contractors all day, every day. You know, perhaps uh, fairly amicably, but sometimes uh, quite difficult. And it didn't matter how the how the job was going or how much arguing was taking place at the end of the month it was my job to authorize a big payment to that trade 
And uh, just thinking about it, I, I couldn't think of any other situation in the world where you would hire an adversary to spend that kind of money on your behalf. And it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I was really looking for a way to um, keep the goals and priorities of the of the people that the owner is paying aligned with those of the owner, the guy that's doing the paying from the start to finish of the project. You know, and the way the way we kind of, you know, just a big a big picture major generalization is in the design bid build world where the owner is trying to transfer the risk to the bidder and is hiring the person with the lowest price feeling that that's how you get value you know when you think about it everybody in our industry only sells time it's it doesn't matter whether you're a designer or a or a, a general contractor or a tradesman products are flow through and really all you're selling is your time and if the owner is hiring on the basis of the lowest price, he's always hiring the person that promises to spend the least amount of time thinking about his project, which doesn't make sense. The other piece of it is that as soon as that fixed price contract is signed and now the risk is transferred to, to that contractor or, or even consultant, um, anything happens, it's his problem. The owner says, you know, that's, that's your issue, not mine. And you know, at the end of the day, the way that person can can do better is to find a way to either give the owner less or charge him more, and that will improve the bottom line of the guy the owner's paying. And if you think about a typical building project, you probably have 50 different companies involved in the in the uh, completion of that project, and each and every one of them is actually incentivized to either give less or charge more. And with the with the risk transfer, when something happens, everybody is pointing at the other guy and trying to protect their own situation. And there's a whole bunch of conflict that comes out of that. And again, remembering that we just sell time, all of that conflict is a total waste. And the owner is paying for all that in the prices that he gets from his trades. So to me, that sounded a bit insane. And uh, so we've tried to develop a different way of doing business. So I'm really, really interested about how you, because to do that, you've got to trick change the local market, haven't you, to work in a different way. How, how did that, how did you go about doing that? Very slowly <laughs> and quite difficult. Uh, you know, just basically client education. And, uh, you know, I did manage to convert some of my contacts in the architectural world to clients uh, in the early days. And then once we had some uh, projects under our belt and had some demonstration of the difference in, in, in doing business, what we found is that, uh, that you do one project for a client and all of a sudden, every other project that the client had coming down the pipeline is coming in your direction as well. And, uh, you know, sitting here today, we've got over one and a half billion dollars worth of projects under our belt. And at least 85% of those are, are repeat clients or consultants or, or both. And so it's really been very slow word of mouth. Um, you know, the proof is in the pudding and uh, uh, references from one client to another. So, and of course, I, I guess that 1.5 billion that's been built up over 30 odd years yeah yes yeah very slow to begin with and then in the last few years uh 
uh, gotten a lot quicker. We we currently have uh, about very smooth, and uh, and we're we're looking forward to a great future in in both uh, our collaborative uh, construction management process and also an integrated project delivery. So can I just ask you a little bit more about your collaborative contracting process? Because uh, there's something I've been involved with over many years, mostly in the infrastructure space myself. How, how did you go about developing this process? Well, interesting question because um, People have asked me before, how did I build a successful company just doing collaborative construction? And um, what I've come to realize is that my biggest advantage in doing that is I never worked for a construction company before I started this one. So uh, when I was developing how we would approach things, I was coming from the point of view of the owner's representative experience that I had in the architectural industry and the dissatisfaction that I had in the way things were being reported and even invoiced and and the lack of transparency. So um, all of those things wound into how we how we developed our business and uh, uh, that total transparency is what builds the trust um, and and the collaboration uh, is is what deals with the risk and and is your people ask, you know, what skin do you have in the game if you're if you're if you don't have um, huge risk. Um, our skin in the game is that we get our projects on a on a re request for proposal basis. So we have to go in and we have to win every project, but you can't win it just on price. Price is usually maybe a 20% factor. Uh, so we have to do a good job. We have to have that track record that will give us reference from one owner to another if we want to continue to do business with those owners. And if we want to expand into into new sectors. So it's um, uh, it's been very important for us that we keep our our focus on what is best for the owner and and make sure that we fully understand and adopt the owner's goals and priorities and use that to drive through to the end of the project. So once you've established the owner's goals and uh, objectives. How do you how do you get all of the different trades sort of aligned with that? Because that that's very unusual. It's a completely different mindset for most of these uh, characters, I guess, than, than what they've been used to. It 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 has been, but it is coming uh, more and more to the forefront. People are are tired of the arguing, tired of the conflict, and uh, you know, good good trades. Are the same as anybody else. We just want to, you know, get in, get done, go home, and get paid, and uh, you know, keep life simple. So, I mean, the first way we do it is is alignment of the of the main teams. And in every project, there's three main teams: the owners' team, the design team, and the construction team. And having all three of those teams in at the very inception of the project is is very important. And it, it's at that point where those three main teams have to adopt those goals and priorities. And then from there, we immediately move into risk mitigation because, again, transferring risk is what creates the conflict and causes all the trouble and misaligns the goals and priorities. So, so we want to get all the risks on the table. And if we've got a $50 million project and 
And uh, when we go around the table and ask everybody what scares you about this project, what's the worst that could happen? What do you think might be a big problem? List all that down, uh, monetize it to the best guess that we can come up with as a team. And say we come up with, uh, with $7 million worth of risk. Okay, well now we're designing a $43 million project with risk mitigation uh, allowances totaling that $7 million and a, and a strategy of how to manage those risks. And as we, we um, do manage to, to mitigate them, then we can add pieces back into the project and dial that budget into whatever the owner is, has in mind. Uh, sometimes that's get me the best value for $50 million, as much uh, project and as much uh, facility as I can get with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't want to save money. I just want to have the best value. Uh, and sometimes it's, hey, if you can build what I've asked you for 43, then that's what we're going to do. So it's just a matter of what does the owner want? What's the goals and priorities? And it's very important to understand the why. What's behind the why of the, the, uh, uh, the owner's instruction on goals and priorities? So, and then when we, when we uh, go through the, the planning and development stage, we want to work with the team to optimize that project before we get it out on the street, before we're asking anybody for a fixed price. And when we do go out to trades and ask for a fixed price from a, from a mason or the, or the steel contractor or whoever it might be, we want to put together a very clear package that they can, they can clearly understand how they, how they bid it and no risk in it. If there are risk elements associated with that package, um, we will specifically exclude them from that trades bid and we'll carry a budget for it elsewhere that we will manage as a team, including the Mason. So when we get to that risk, now we're not fighting about who does what. Now we're all collaborating on finding the best value-based solution. And then the owner pays for that, whatever is required for that value-based solution, pays for it out of the allowance we set aside. Now, can I ask you a quick follow-up on that? Because does that, risk mitigation mean that, that none of the risk is transferred or all the risk is main, is kept by the owner or is the contractor have some incentive to manage the risk down themselves? How does it typically work? Well, the, the main incentive to manage the risk down is the fact, again, that we're selling time. And if we can manage the risk down, that saves everybody time, everybody money. So that's really the big incentive. Um, in terms of what risk is is transferred, um, very little transferred, but risk is shared in that every company is managing their own internal corporate risks, and we're all very comfortable with doing that. Uh, risk that that the any of the contractors or any of the the uh, firms involved in the construction of that project, if they wouldn't have that risk if they weren't doing the project, it really belongs to the project. And if you think about those 50 firms that are involved in that project, isn't it better to have 50 heads all helping you manage that risk rather than load it all onto one and have everybody else say, hey, it's not my problem. So, um, you know, what we find is it goes very much smoother that way and everybody saves a little time, which is saving them money, yeah, including the owner. Okay, well, that's... That's, I've seen it done differently, sometimes where there's a risk pot and you, everyone gets to share whatever's left at the end, including the owner, of course. 
Yes, an integrated project delivery, that's that's the, the big incentive. Um, and the risk pool is, is shared. Everybody decides what they would like to make as a margin on the on the project at the outset. And uh, we're all in business to make money. So, uh, you know, there is there's nothing wrong with everybody wanting to make a little bit of money. Um, and uh, in, in the IPD world, um, the whole idea is to get to validation uh, as quickly as possible, but spend as much time doing that as is necessary to properly optimize that project. And then uh, once, they, once that validation is set, if the team can continue to find innovative ways to, um, to make a better detail or to, to find a way to speed up the schedule or, or, uh, or um, you know, they find a neat solution that saves a bunch of money in, in a particular installation, then a piece of that money goes back to the owner and a piece of that money goes into the profit pool for all of the, the companies involved in the IPD contract. And, uh, you know, that's a great incentive. And I think uh, over the years, there's been uh, some very big wins in that um, as people work their way through it. Um, personally, I don't feel that we need a, a big windfall to incentivize us. Uh, our incentive is... Uh, is wanting to do a good job and the satisfaction that comes from that and uh, and eliminating the conflict, which makes the the industry pleasant. You know what? We all like to come to work in the morning and have a little fun while we're doing it. And we've always felt that the money would follow if you did those two first. I thought you you mentioned the F word there, of course, which is, you know, work is fun. It's it takes some of the stress out, doesn't it? It does. Uh, and uh, you know, my wife says you should be retired and I keep telling her I'm having too much fun to retire. So <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> but of course, you know, if you can, if you've reduced the, the, the level of conflict, stress level should go down. It becomes a better play. I mean, there's a big push now is no mental health in the industry. Right. A lot of that is down to, well, one of the inputs into that is, is conflict. Uh, and if we can reduce that, there should be an improvement in people's mental health anyway because the stress levels are coming down, which is definitely, definitely a good thing. When we were talking uh, back in Vancouver, I mean, you, one of the, your observations over your uh, long career has been there's been a bit of a flat line or even worse in terms of productivity uh, in the industry over the past 30 plus years. Uh, I've certainly seen it here in the UK. What do you see as the potential solution to that so that we can perhaps get the industry productivity rising, catch up with some of the like manufacturing, particularly cars, which seems to have done very well over the last 30, 40 years? Well, I think I think uh, the push into lean construction is is one of those things. Um, um, you know, prefabrication is a big one, but the biggest problem for the industry is resistance to change. Um, we keep hearing both clients and and uh, companies that we work with well, saying, well, hey, this is the way we've always done it. Um, the way we've always done it is, is old and uh, we need to move forward. Uh, we need to embrace the technology and and start thinking about things uh, differently. And uh, um, you know, 
we tell our teams at the outset that it's all of our jobs to question everything. And, and you know, the status quo is, it's, it's not where we want to be. We want to be moving forward. Um, I was at a conference in Phoenix here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was a, a U.S. general gave the keynote speech, and he, was, he had been uh, uh, in charge of the JSOC uh, in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, he tries to pull together a whole bunch of uh, special forces with different cultures and was having nothing but resistance. And, you know, he finally called all the heads together and he said, look, you know, it's impossible to steer a ship if it isn't moving. So you can't keep telling me that we're going to keep doing it the same way. You know, we can't change if you do that. Like we have to be moving forward in order to steer this ship in any particular direction. And uh, we all agree that we need to move. So let's let's get on with it. So um, I, I just I, I really hate to hear particularly clients say or their purchasing departments say, hey, these are the rules and this is the only way we can do it. You know, sometimes you got to break the rules to move forward. Either break them or create something which is so compelling. Right. It's yeah, it's educate and persuasive. Educate your 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 client groups and your and your uh, you know coworkers. I mean, just coming back to the the sort of collaboration uh, topic, I know that you you're a great uh, proponent of helping others. Sometimes your competitors to improve, share your experience. And I know that you've had, it's been done to you. Is it something you just want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, part of part of the way I developed my business is I belong to a, a peer advisory board, uh, you know, basically eight company presidents for non-competing businesses that you you get together once a month for, you know, for five hours and and basically become each other's board of directors. So that's been a huge help. And then we've had uh, a great deal of assistance from other companies that are uh, larger or more advanced. They've been in business longer, um, sort of leaders in the industry uh, that have that have been very, very forthcoming in, in offering us assistance and guidance and even even handing uh, systems or showing us systems that they've developed. And uh, particularly for us recently, it's been DPR construction in the US who has been uh, uh, very, very helpful in 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 our development as a lean construction company, and in in management systems uh, that that they've been they've been helping us out with, and and consequently we do the same as we share those things down to companies that we work with that are perhaps uh, you know where we were ten years ago, and uh, uh, we've received so much help from other people that it feels really good to sort of pay that forward and. And pass it on to others in our in our circle. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good place to be, isn't it? In your in your culture, in your head, that you're not giving back, you're helping. You're you know, you're far enough sometimes in front of some of your competitors that it's it's better for everybody if they catch up a bit. Because of course you're still with absolutely. I mean, everybody, you know. When you're competing, you'd much rather compete against educated, 
competition. They're not educated. So, um, you know, moving everything forward is is uh, is something we really like to do. And and the other the other part of that is, even though you might be helping someone that's maybe ten years behind where you've been, or you're they they haven't evolved that far yet, but every time you still learn something. You know, it's you know that they're often teaching the teacher, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said. You've got to just keep that. I'm I'm still learning mindset. Otherwise, absolutely, you stagnate, don't you? you? You can only go forward. Otherwise, you start going backwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Rick, on that note, let's wrap up this conversation. Uh, it's been very insightful, and thank you for joining me today. Where can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more or drop you an email? You can find us on, on the internet at uh, unitechcm.ca and uh, we'd be happy to uh, uh, to fill you in some more. And uh, I love talking about how we got to where we are and uh, I love talking about the future of construction. Okay, we'll make sure all of that's in the show notes. So if you haven't jotted it down, just look on the show notes wonderful and to all of our listeners today thank you for tuning in i hope you've enjoyed this episode of the construction big breakfast we have a new episode every week or two we're nearly back to one a week now so click the subscribe button and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single episode while you're at it we'd appreciate a five-star review and if you enjoyed this episode today please like it and share it as that helps us reach even more listeners. We're currently getting about 70,000 views a month. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or looking to collaborate in other ways, visit us at www.invent2ends.com. The link's in the description and fill out the contact form so that one of my team uh, can be in touch. See you next time. Bye. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.